0: Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Hey, I'm reading from Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. It says, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then somebody say, then, then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Hey, over the next few minutes, I want to teach you um, today from this subject or this title. If you're taking notes, I hope you are the promise of fulfillment, the promise of fulfillment. Come on, let's pray. Um, Father, we love you. We thank you for everything that's happening today, Lord God. We thank you for every word um, that has been shared here today, Lord. I pray uh, today, Lord, that we would walk out of here with an understanding, not of just our life being saved, not of just us on the process of sanctification, but Father, I pray discovering who we are, our purpose, but Father, I pray, Lord, that today we would walk out of here with a passion to make a difference, to do something with everything that you've given us, Lord. Father, we love you. We thank you for everything you've done so far, Lord, and we thank you for everything that you will do. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen and amen. Come on, somebody make some noise for Jesus in his place. Amazing. Yes. Hey, I was, uh, last Sunday, appreciate you, bro, uh, the, um, it's been a while now, but I saw this article. Maybe you saw this article and you read it. Um, it was this lady from Australia, and so she, and I think she actually wrote a book about it. Um, so she was a nurse, and um, she was a nurse for end time care, so palliative care with some of the older people as they kind of transition um, into eternity. Um, and she, she, she had this thought where she asked all of these older people, hundreds of them, what are the regrets? What regrets do you carry in your life? Um, such a great positive question. You know what I'm saying? Like. This person's like about to pass away, and you're like, hey, what do you regret in life? It's like, okay, thanks, I appreciate that. Um, somebody got to do it. And so, what ended up happening was that she came up with five things that everybody kind of like, everybody said the same thing, which is crazy to think. These are people, you know, above an age and that are about to, you know, they lived a full life. And it's crazy to watch that five things came out of that. And I'm going to read them Um, from five all the way to one. These are the regrets that they had. Number one, I wish that I had let myself be happier. I wish that I had let myself be happier. I wish, number four, I wish that I stayed in touch with my friends. Number four, I wish that I stayed in touch with my friends. Number three, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. Number two, this one's a biggie. I wish that I didn't work so hard. I wish I didn't work so hard. And then the last one, number one, I wish I had the courage to live the life true to myself and not the life that others expected of me. If you can sum that down to the lowest common denominator I think what they were saying was I wish I would have took more risks I wish I would have lived the life of more risks and just tried things And so these five things I think are super that uh, they're a telling story of the life of all of us right because we're not at, we're not palliative care we're not on our way out. Um, we're in a space that we have a heartbeat inside of us and there's still purpose there's still things inside of us that we can accomplish regardless of your age And so here it is. That as we look at the lives of others and the biggest regrets that they had, I think it starts to kind of unpack in my own mind, like, man, what does it look like? What kind of life am I living? Right. And so these last few weeks, we've uh, we, we started with the scripture at the beginning of the series called Second Peter or in Second Peter, chapter one, verse four. And it says, i um, talking about promises by which we have been given by given to us exceedingly great and precious. Somebody say promises. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, um, and I'm in my trusty stool, but every now and then I'm going to jump up because I, what I want to do is I want to teach you. Because here is a message that it's inspiring. Um, this is a message that... Uh, it could, easily be, it could easily be chalked up to the flesh, right? So, like, you can walk out of this service and be like, oh, my God, I felt good. It was so inspiring. It was amazing. Um, and I, and, I, and I'm cool. I'm all right with that. But what I want you to do is I want you to take these things and do something with it. Because I don't want you to feel inspired. I want you to be educated, right? So, I want you to take the things that you see and anchor them to scriptures. When you anchor them to scripture, you're like, oh, this isn't something that I'm inspired about. This is something that I'm responsible for. This is something that has been assigned to me. I have a life. There's a purpose to what I'm doing. Now, we started at the very beginning of this of this series, and we talked about these four different promises that God has given us. Now, when we talk about promises, uh, those are that's a that's a that's a that's a tricky word, right? Because when we hear promises, we hear broken promises. When we hear promises, we hear manipulation, and it's like, hey, if you give seven ninety, what scripture we read? Exodus chapter six. If you give six dollars and sixty-seven cents today, you'll be able to receive this gift of the promises. Some of y'all are like, where, what, huh? (laughs) And so what happens is that when you hear the word promises, it begins to get manipulated. And unfortunately, sometimes even the church has been a proponent of that and has done some stuff that has created this disdain when you hear promises. That even the thought of like you hearing God wants to bless you. Oh, here we go. Prosperity gospel. And what we do is that we tend to ignore the fact that God loves you. That he really cares for you. And that in the words of the prophet of old or prophet of young, God has a plan. It's God's plan. The, the psalmist Drake, when he wrote the song <laughs> God's Plan, I think what we, what we miss is that this is an actual true statement. That God wants you, number one, he wants to save you. We talked about this in week one. He wants to save you. And the, the Egyptians, um, uh, uh, the children of Israel, and y'all remember back in the days with the red Sea and all that. But the children of Israel, they were slaves to the Egyptians. And God said, I'm going to send a man. And it was Moses, right? I'm going to rescue them. Before he ever spoke to Pharaoh, before he ever spoke to the children of Israel, God said to him, I will save my people. And then he said, and once I save my people, I will free my people. And then once I free my people, I will deliver, I mean, I will redeem my people and then I will fulfill them. I will bring them together and I will be their God. What happens is that when we hear the first one, I will save my people and I will free my people. It kind of sounds redundant. Doesn't it sound like the same thing? But it's not. It's salvation, right? So God wants to save you. But then he it's not that he just wants to bring you out of Egypt, but then he has to bring Egypt out of you. The big theological word is called sanctification, where you begin to get discipled, where stuff starts to come out of you, where you wanted to hit her with a two-piece and a biscuit. You might have balled your fist up, but you said, I, God bless you in Jesus' name. And you walked away because you're in the process of getting better. You wanted to respond one way, but the Holy Spirit just muddled Will you... <laughs> God bless your heart. <laughs> because you're in the process and you're growing. We're not perfect. Nobody's sitting there like, oh, I don't have issues. I'm blessed and highly favored. Shut up, bro. <laughs> but we're in this space where we get saved and then we get to this space where we start to deal with the stuff, but we really have to recollect and we have to think through some things. And then there's some work that's involved in it. And so we talked about, it. I'm not going to belabor those two points because I-, I don't want to. The distinction, though, I, I want to create it because in the church, I just mentioned this. Uh, For a few weeks now, because I want you, this is the hardest place for Christians to understand. Salvation doesn't have anything to do with you. You don't repent for salvation. You repent from salvation. Salvation happens by faith and by faith alone. Then the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and gives you the power to be able, the the theological word is regeneration. He helps you to be able to repent of your sins. Because if you try to do it, remember, you're just going in a cycle. If you don't ever get saved and you're trying to repent, it's called self-help. You need God's spirit, and then He gives you the power. So you get saved, and then you start the process of sanctification. You start to turn from your ways, you start to let things go. You start to really commit your life to Jesus. You go completely all in because the Holy Spirit is empowering you. He's living in and through you. But then we get to this place where remember I talked about it last week: 60% of Christians never get to this third step. The third step is that of discovering your purpose. And the one thing that I always hear is: Chino, I don't know what my purpose is, I don't know what I was created for. I'm saved. And I'm dealing with my junk, but I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, what's my purpose? And hopefully last week, if not, go back and listen to it. Your design is always going to reveal to you your destiny, right? Here is the thought that God, Bible says in Jeremiah 1.5, it says, before I formed you, I knew you. God had an idea of who you were, right? It, It says that he was knitting you in your mother's womb. He was putting gifts and talents. He put a call inside of you, right? And then he gave you a body and a soul. The the American dream or the American thought of things is saying God gave me a body and then a soul and then he gave me a call. And then I, I got, oh, this moment where I walked out of my backyard and I was like, I know what I'm supposed to do. Bro, that's Disney. You already had that call living inside of you. And for you to understand what your call is, you understand what God has already deposited. So when you understand your design, who you are... Then you understand your destiny, what you're supposed to do. And so I love because today and Next Steps, we're going we're gonna to talk about what it looks like to actually discover your design. Who are you? That's going to show you what God wants to do in your life. And then today, I'm going to sit down on this stool because I already started. I already started. But today, what I want to show you is that there's a, there's a fourth step. And that fourth step is sometimes the hardest one for people to take. Because it's easy to get saved. It's, it's not easy, but it's easy to start kind of learning who you are and start to, you know, get self-aware and start to think, oh, man, why am I doing this? And why do I, I hate this? Why is that? You know what I mean? And start to kind of deal with your life. But then there's that third step of discovering your purpose. And some of us in this room, we've already discovered what that purpose is. We know what we're created for. I had a conversation with somebody in Next Steps after service, and we were, we were laughing because they were like, yo, I, I just, I'm an 18-year-old, right? But I love to teach kids. There's something about it with kids that I love it. Y'all heard me last week. I got kicked out of kids ministry. I got three kids. I don't like kids. I like your kids. I like for somebody else to teach your kids. Amen? And then I love to give them candy and spoil them. But But here it is. If you grab the microphone, you'd probably faint. Oh, my. God, what Uh, people of God, thank you for coming this morning. Um, Today in Habakkuk chapter four, you know what I'm saying? Like it just, but we're gifted in different areas. I can't do the things that you, the things that God has put in your life. I can't be the mom that you are. Man, you've you've gone through hell and high water, man. You've raised children on your own. You fought for people. That that is what God has placed the strength that He's placed inside of you. But if I understand my design, then I understand my destiny. But then you gotta somebody say do something about it. Y'all remember when we used to be, remember when we used to be kids? Some of y'all, some of y'all young jits, y'all don't know about this. Remember we used to we used to get in, in arguments at in school? I remember when you used to get in an argument, you used to like do the whole little shoulder thing. And what would you say? Do something. Do something. I feel like this is Christian sometimes. Do something. And there's people that are dying and busting hell wide open. And we talking about some do something. And there's the, the suicide rate, it's crazy, through the, through the pandemic, the suicide rate was astronomic, more than it's been in decades. And now we're in a space where it's not just the suicide rate, but the people actually, and man, please understand, I'm going to preach a whole series on mental health because I think it's important. There's nothing wrong with you if you do have mental health. Um, my eyes are not strong as they need to be. I have glasses. Nobody in this room is thinking, oh, he's weak because he has glasses. There's nothing wrong with people who have Their brain is not working at full capacity. So I don't want to belittle it. But what I do, though, want to kind of emphasize and what I hate is that uh, people have identified with mental health issues. They ain't got no mental health, but they think it's the cool thing. I'm sad and I can't get out of my bed. Bro, you're lazy. Bro, get up. There's not, you don't need medicine. You don't need nothing. Drink a coffee, bro, and go to work. No, it's just my mental, there's no mental health, bro. Just stand there and do what the folks tell you to do and collect the paycheck. Sorry, I'm back in my soapbox. Let me sit back down, Chino. Stop, man. And so what, what happens, though, is that crossing over that do something, I think we find ourselves in a space where a lot of Christians, that, that's where it gets hazy. And that even in us, like if we're honest with each other, some of us, we know our calling. We know what God placed inside of our hearts. But it's that actually, do, how do I do it? What do I do? Oh, my God, it's taking a risk. It's failing forward. It's understanding that you ain't got it all figured out, but you got somebody in you who does. And if you trust God, if you risk this thing, God's going to watch you do some incredible things. But there's some things that stop us. I want you to write three things down that stop us. Number one, I want you to see this. Um, the first thing that happens, man, is that we have this, this past life Um, that we're living in we're living in our past life and it's like we stay on that side of the equation Um, and that's unfortunate because even last week I talked about this idea of the parrot remember the parrot how many you are here for the parrot yeah so okay so the the parrot is reminding this guy how ugly he is (laughs) and then the parrot gets in trouble he get hit with the newspaper and then the guy comes back and the parrot says come here you know And what happens is that we hear that you know regularly. Whenever we have a dream, an idea, yeah, you know. You messed it up the last three times. You're going to try this again, and you're going to screw it up again. Like, you know. And we're we're constantly hearing this. And unfortunately, the enemy, sometimes his voice is so much louder than the Lord's because we allow for it to be. And so we stay living in this past life when in reality, God doesn't want you to live there. He actually wants to rescue you. But here's where we find ourselves. And you tell me if you can relate. Psalms 38. Verses four through six, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. It's like, dang, this junk is heavy. I messed up again. Oh my God, this thing is like, I can't sometimes, it's like I can't even breathe sometimes because of all of the shame, the things that I've done in the past, my guilt. And it says, I am bowed down and brought very low all day long. I go about mourning. You ever met somebody like that? That everybody, every time you see them, it's just like, they're just sad like today, they're happy because it was gloomy outside. They're like, "Oh my God, everybody's just like me." And who who ever seen the movie Inside Out? Is it in Inside Out or In and Out? I don't know. I hate I hate the little blue chick. I hate her. Why is she there? She needs to be thrown into like the abyss and like she needs to disappear. Why? Sadness. Why is sadness ruining everything? I don't I don't like it. But you need sadness sometimes. It helps you. It's healthy. But but the thought is that you're walking around and you're living in this life, right, that's in the past because, man, you've gotten saved. God is working on you. And you're getting out of these spaces. But it's like, yo, but you don't understand, You know, I made this mistake. Or, hey, this person did something against me that really hurt me and really broke me. And I'm stuck in this space. And I can't move forward. God wants you to live this full life. But it just feels like... Dang, man, I'm just I'm just trapped by yesterday, and it feels like it's so heavy. But this is why the promise two Sundays ago that we talked about that God, the Bible says in, in uh, Exodus chapter six, verse six, it says that God, with an outstretched arm. And with mighty works of power, he will rescue you. He will meet you down at rock bottom and he will pull you up. The lower you feel, the more that God is going to stretch towards you. That God is not intimidated by your pain, your hurt, by your yesterday. But he loves you enough to be able to throw his hand down there and meet you exactly where you are. The beauty of it is not that he's just there with you. The beauty is that he will lift you out of that thing and that he will give you a purpose and make you to be great. That's what the Bible read, what we read last week. He will help you. He will thrust you forward. That that strong arm sometimes. Some of us is longer than others, but we are living in a space that it just feels like I'm just so far back. But not only do we live in our past, sometimes I feel like we're living according to our culture. The ideas, the customs, the social construct, the habits. I feel like we're running a play. We're living a life that we never wanted to live. We're not living a life that we wrote the life down and we were like, "Okay, this is how I want my life to live. I want it to be this way and I want this. That isn't what we're living. We're living a life sometimes. that I mean, it's just it sucks to think that I am so far over here when I want it to be so far over there. And the enemy has created this thing and culture, right? Like really like culture has created this space for us to be able to find ourselves living right in the middle of it. And whatever's cool, whatever's popular at the time, sometimes, not for everybody, but that's how I want my, my house to be painted. Or I want that type of furniture in my house. Or I want to make sure that my car looks like that. Man, in ministry, it doesn't change. Because you. I, on Sundays, I try not to even get on Instagram because I'm like, oh, he had way more people than I had. And so what happens is that we, we, we kind of put these ideas that we watch culture and trends. And unfortunately, sometimes even politically, man, we identify with things outside of the kingdom of God. And we don't even believe all of it. We just believe some of it. But that's some of it. I'm ready to kill my auntie. I'm ready to cut my cousin. Don't come to my house. You ain't invited to the cookout. Like, I mean, just push everybody away. But I believe this much. This. Oh, I don't know about all that. That's kind of weird. I'm not. We're not dealing with it. But this right here, we're going to talk about this to the point of my Facebook. got. God. Fake cuss words in it, Christian cuss words, because I'm mad, I'm passionate about this stuff. And we've allowed for ourselves to be shaped into, before there was ever a United States of America, man, there was a kingdom of God. There was a Jesus. There was a way that he did things. There was a love, a generosity. There was an excitement about watching God move in such a beautiful way that I feel like right now, sometimes we don't need, we don't even need breakthrough. That word breakthrough, that word used to be a, 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 a button. Used to say the word breakthrough. And I'm talking about you can have that beef six. Dun, 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 breakthrough, hallelujah. And it was like, and people go, now it's like a lot of people just live in a space of just comfort and familiarity that they're just like, I go to church because it's it's what I'm supposed to do. Until that that button gets touched. Then all of a sudden you don't live in the culture no more. Now you live in the culture of your knees and you're praying and you're seeking God. And it's a beautiful thing. But man, we could do that living in great days, living in moments where everything is not the best, but it's not the worst. And we don't have to live by the constraints, uh, constraints of this culture, of what the American tradition has shaped us like. You got to buy a house and you got to have the right. And I'm not telling you, I own a house. You know what I'm saying? I'm not telling you none of those things. But what I'm saying is that we, we feel like we will bypass, hurt people, manipulate, excommunicate, cut people off to achieve that dream. That's not God's plan for your life. God doesn't want you to be shaped by culture. So I, I think we're living in our past life what ends up happening, what does not allow for us to cross over the threshold from understanding our purpose, what we were created to do, to actually living a fulfilled life, is that we're living in our past, is that we're living according to culture. But then I think the, 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 the third thing is that we're living life alone. I, I think we're, the thing that hurts us is the thing that helps us. And we don't, it's, sometimes it's hard for us to understand that, right? But I mean, it's so easy for, like, think about this for a second. I, I talked about this at the 930. I'm, I'm walking into a trap. Y'all ready? Y'all got me? Yes. Look, I'm walking into a trap. I'm in a trap. Oh, my God, I'm trapped. <laughs> huh? Don't worry about this one. This one, this is not here. This is a wall. It's like metal. I'm trapped. I can't do nothing. Oh, my gosh. What do I do? What, what do I do? Probably can walk out the very same day I walked in, right? Like I'm saying, there's a door. I just walked in through the door. What happens with us, though, is that offense, hurts, pain... And, and I, I say this all the time. And I'm not minimizing or belittling what somebody has done to you. Please understand, I'm not being facetious. I'm not, um, I'm, I'm not sitting there making little of what they did to you. But what happens is that sometimes the very thing that will trap you is the very thing that will allow you freedom. And it's called people. But what happens with us is that we're just like, man, I don't want nothing to do with them. I want to figure this thing out on my own. And I'm, I'm built for this. And I, I'm made for this. And I, I, man, I don't need anybody in my life. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But you ever said that? I don't need anybody in my life. I'm good. I can figure this thing out on my own because you had to figure it out on your own because you've done it time and time again and you've built a strength and a resiliency where you're just like, man, I don't need people. But people are the answer to the miracle that you've been so desperately answering for you to cross over from one side to the other. You got to have people in your life. There has to be devil's plan in my own personal life. Like the devil's not trying to attack me and my wife's marriage to be able to separate us only. Oh, I'm just going to kill you. I'm mean, going to separate your life. You go this way. And no, no, that's that's small-minded. The enemy wants me to be so broken from a, a divorce, a fracture my life so much that I will never trust another human being. That I will never look at another man or woman the same. That I will think that everybody's after me to hurt me. That everybody's after me to do something bad to me because this thing ended the wrong way and, because, and the devil wants to create this space in my brain that begins to tell me I can never trust nobody else. It's small-minded to think that he just wants you to sin he wants to destroy your life he wants to sever you in such a way that you don't think that there's ever any hope to be able to get out of there because he has no hope and if he has no hope somebody say misery loves company ecclesiastes ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 8 being guarded and suspicious look ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 8 there was a man all alone He had neither son nor brother. He was all alone. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. Some of us think that we need more money. Sometimes it's not about the money. This man got all the money. For whom am I toiling for? Who am I working for, he asked. Why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This is too meaningless. A miserable business. I mean, that's what life feels like when you do it alone, man. You got all the money, you got everything, but you don't have nobody to spend that with. It's hard sometimes. I always said that you can go fast by yourself, but you can go further faster with others. And the Bible, what it's teaching us is that we want to gather together and we want to do something together. Do you know the word hallelujah? It's not just a song or a word that we say in church. You know that it actually means something? Um, Hallelujah. And I know that Depending on whatever preaching point the pastor wants you to, you know, get to, um, they will use the idea of hallelujah. Um, highest praise, you know what I'm saying? Like, say it again. <laughs> but, but you know that the word hallelujah is actually not just a word that people say, but it's a lifestyle that people live. I'll show you. The word hallelujah is broken It's a compound word. Hallelujah. The word hallelujah is a call to a group of people to praise something or someone. This is a Hebrew word. Hallelujah. And the word yah is uh, an abbreviated for uh, uh, an abbreviated abbreviation of the word Yahweh. Yahweh is the only way that they can say <sighs> which is the word that's the the Lord's the Lord's name is <sighs> it's life, it's breath. But Yah is the word abbreviated. So when you put those together, hallelujah what it's basically saying is let's gather a group of people together and let's praise the Lord together, right? So it's, it's a family together. Let's praise them together. But do you also know that that doesn't mean it's just a word to say during a song or during a praise break or when somebody says something really good that you like or when you saw that check come in the mail or Wells Fargo forgave you that money. It's not just a hallelujah. It's a lifestyle. It's a group of people together living a life together that praises God. That this is something beautiful. This is the highest praise. I said something last week, and I may have said it. I may have said it just kind of in passing. Um, the uh, the ultimate form of worship isn't just necessarily you singing and raising your hands to God, but it's you demonstrating God's love to His people. That's an ultimate sign of worship. God loves it more when you help somebody who is broken, far from Him, to connect to Him more than He likes it when you just hallelujah. it's such it's much more and listen to me sing praises and love we love God and we worship here and we say hallelujah don't be sitting here and worship when we say hallelujah say the pastor told me not to say hallelujah bro you're missing it that's not what I'm saying but I want you to live hallelujah I want you to live a hallel life everybody go like this go (gasps) take a take a deep breath just even with your nose just that's the life that we want to live a full life not this life that's just mediocre and I'm Dictated by my past and by the way the culture, and can I do this? or can I do this? I'm worried about what man says and about what woman says, and I'm, I'm constantly, I'm living in it No, no, no. Just a, this is the life that God wants you to live. Would you do me a favor? Would you raise your hand, everybody in the building? Raise your hand. Raise it high. Raise it high. Raise it high. Watch this. I do this with the team all the time. Raise it high. Now here's the life that God wants you to live. I want you to stretch just a little bit more. That right there. That extra. That I mean, just that. Put your hand down, You look weird. That extra. Extra like uh, that life is the one. It's not problem free. You're not walking around a matata, Everything is great. No, all hell could break loose in your life, but you're not focused on the hell. You're so much more focused on the heaven maker. You're so much focused on God that the problems look minuscule. You're like, I know I'm going through this, but my God, I've been through this a few times. I understand this. There's something you're living this full life. God wants you to live a life where you're saved. God wants you to live a life where you're free. He wants you to discover what you did, but he wants you to cross over that threshold and live this full life where life is not just chips and pieces that you get from people and from things. How does that happen? How does that happen? Exodus chapter six, verse seven, We read this included in the scripture portion that we read at the beginning. The promise of fulfillment, right? The four promises, salvation, sanctification, redemption, and then the promise of fulfillment. It happens through two things. Exodus chapter 6 verse 7, it says, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Watch this, two things. I will take you as my own people. God will rescue you. He will save you. God will sanctify you. He will begin the process in your life. He will help you to discover your purpose. But then he's going to fulfill you. And most of the fulfillment is going to begin by him gathering you amongst people. He's going to bring you around people everywhere you look at. I can show you at the very beginning of the Bible. The Bible says in the beginning, God created man, right? And he said, let us us make man in our image. At the very beginning, that made man in our image, they knew God. They knew exactly who God was. It, it, they had this, I mean, it was just beautiful. But then he said, you have dominion. Dominion means there's nothing over you. You're over everything. You are to till. You have. You, you don't have to worry about or sit under a rock and be like, oh my God, I'm so shameful. They didn't have any of that. They had dominion over everything. They understood their purpose, right? Here's what happens. The redemption, before they were ever needing to be redeemed, they understood what their calling was. He was to till the land. He was to make sure that everything was fed. He was to name the animals. He had so many different purposes, but then he lived a fulfilled life because he did it. He named animals. He was in the land. He had, uh, Lord knows how much time before Eve messed up. That was at the beginning of the Bible. But did you know that at the end of the Bible, you still got the same plan that God has for our life? The plan for you to know him, for you to find real freedom, for you to discover your purpose and make a difference? Here it is. God says, I'm going to, in Revelation chapter 21, if you're following us along in our soap reading, um, on the on the app, you can go to the soap tab or if you're on the website, you can go to the tab and we have every scripture reading. It's about four chapters that we read a day. But yesterday's reading was revelations 21 and I love this because I want to read it to you revelations 21 verse 3 through 7 it says and I heard a voice from heaven saying behold the tabernacle of God is with men God is going to be with us we're going to know him intimately and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people God himself will be with them and their God here's how we find freedom sanctification you ready and God will wipe every tear from their eyes There will be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. There will be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new, redemption, the promise of redemption. I'm going to make everything brand new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And here's the fulfillment. Here's what we're all looking forward. Hopefully, here's what we're all longing for. And he said to me, Write these words down. They're faithful and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give you of the fountain of water, of life freely to him who thirsts. And whoever overcomes shall, that word right there, you see it in every time that you see these promises. You shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. The idea that God will wrap us up together. And that he will call us a family. This is what the church of Jesus Christ looks like, right? This is why we come to church. This is why we gather together as saints. Because you can be your own individual saint at your house, reading your Bible. But there's something different when I have somebody alongside. There's times in my life, man, that I've been, I couldn't even figure it out. There were times in my life we were broke as a joke. And we were trying to figure out, yo, the the church is looking rough. Especially through the pandemic. Some of y'all were sending $2. God bless y'all. And during the pandemic, it was rough. And I had my friend Aniba. And Aniba was like, hey, Chino, here's what you need to do because of the connection. Because we were friends, I was able to start a business because I had a conversation with this man. He started 38 businesses last month. And Aniba, he's the businessman of all businessmen. But because I'm connected to somebody at the church, all of a sudden our finances turned around. We were able not only to get anything from the church. We were able to bless the church in such a way financially where we were able to get through the pandemic together but it's because I was connected to people. And I could go down the story of different people who I know in this church, but because we've connected, because I have a family of people, not church members. That's why when you come to our church, even on our website, we don't do church members. We do family because we need family to get across everything that we're doing. When that becomes real, it's like, it's just that, oh my God, fulfilling. When you got people around you, when you know you need a date night and you got to call somebody, oh my God, hey, can you watch my kids? Yes, and I could trust them. It's family. Not only does he say, I'm going to bring you together as a family, but then he says, and I will be your God. Bring that scripture back up real quick. He says, I will be your God. The last one, Exodus chapter six, verse six and seven, or second to last. It says, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. So here's what God does. He gathers us together as a family. He brings them from every tongue, every nation, every tribe. Jesus, last marching orders for the church, go and be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, and to the ends of the world. We are to speak the name of Jesus. We're to tell of the gospel so that men and women can come and be a part of the kingdom of God, right? That's so we can be a family together. But then he says, once you're in a family, I'm going to jump in the middle of this thing, and I'm going to help you, and I'm going to do this thing with you. So now all of a sudden, we got God in the midst of our congregation. We got God in the midst of our dreams. We got God in the midst of our family. Do we fight, argue? Yeah, probably. A little bit. I ain't never argued with nobody in church. But there's something about the moment that God gets in the middle of this thing. Then it starts to change it starts to help you uh, my kids how many of y'all remember when you were young and it you probably still do this now we don't judge you but remember when maybe you lived upstairs or maybe your room was down the hall Aaron you remember you, you turned you turned the lights off and everybody you just you just ran to your room <laughs> you probably still do this some of y'all fellas y'all be doing this now you either turn the lights off and you run up the stairs There's like something chasing you but 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 or or you turn and if you spiritual, spiritual, you turn off the lights and in the name of Jesus right now. I rebuke that. You know what I'm saying? And like the, the darkness is chasing you. It's like, yo, my kids, my kids are they're They're about six feet tall and they play they play football and they're, you know, brave kids. They want to boo up and I'm, I'll knock you out. Um, but but my kids, it'll be late night and I'll say I'll, I'll say Daniel, I'll tell them, hey, do me a favor. Can y'all throw out the garbage? no dad come on man bro throw out the garbage bro dad I just threw out the garbage last week <laughs> throw the garbage out but oh my god dad look it fits we can put more stuff in they're like squeezing it down bro throw out the garbage dad I, man oh you always call me why is Levi can't do that why I always got to do that why it always got to be me only the parents are laughing right now and why it always got to be me why do I always have to do this and I'm like bro why just go downstairs and throw out the garbage i'm like why don't you want to throw out the garbage because that is always me bro why don't you want to throw because it's dark outside i said i said bro you're scared of the dark Dad, come on man it's dark outside man it's nighttime what if they kidnap me they gonna give you back and they gonna pay me they go amber they gonna give me money and they're, they're like, no, I don't know to do. So I'm like, all right, cool. And then, so what do I do as a good dad? I kick them out the house. No, I, I go and I walk with them. What I, what I usually do is that I'll just go up to the door. And I'll just go up to the door and they'll go downstairs and I'll just close the door. I'm not dealing with you. <laughs> and I'll just go inside and you just see them, bro. They're like, they'll go and they'll sit in there and they're looking back. They're like, oh my God. And they, at this point, they're halfway there. So you got to keep going. So what they'll do is that they'll throw the garbage on it. <laughs> And then you hear the door, boom, bang, bang they're walking. I'm like, yo, what's up? <laughs> they're like, yeah, man, I don't know. I'm like, what happened? Did something chase you? No, it's just, there's dark out there, man. I don't want to do this no more. <laughs> All right, cool. And then something changes, though, because some of them, well, they're, they're like, dad, I'm not going out there, I'm not going out there. And I used to do this more when they were little. Now I just make them go out there and lie to them. Um, <laughs> but when, I, when they were little... I used to go and I would be like, "All right, come on, papi, we're going to go." And I would walk with them. And it was funny because we'd be laughing, we'd be talking a joke. We're like, "Oh my god, is that a deer?" Like, "Oh, look at the cat." <laughs> you know? We're like, make, and then we would take we'll take the garbage and we'll actually bring the garbage up to the front. And like, it's just normal. It was normal for us to just go and take the garbage out. And then we'll come back and it's just like, "Nobody ever ran? Nobody got scared?" We got up to the front and we're like, "Oh, you know what? Let's go to the car real quick. I forgot to get something. You know what I mean? What was the difference? I will gather you as my people, and I will be in your midst. There's hard conversations that you need to have. You just need daddy to be in there with you. You just need God to be in the center of it. There's dreams that God has given you, man. There's orphanages. There's missions trips. There's all these things that God has placed in your heart. All you need is the people to gather together and for God to be in the middle of this thing. I know it looks scary. I know it's terrifying to take a risk. Now, mind you, everybody look at me real quick, because husbands, don't you go tell your wife, hey, Chino said I need to quit my job. I heard the message. Stop. (laughs) Let's have another conversation. We can talk about what that looks like. Let's just, let's just, (laughs) I don't want your wife at my house talking about some, hey, Chino, by the way, buddy. (laughs) No, but let's, let's talk about it. But but the truth is, though, that there are risks that you're going to take. There are things that you're going to do that's going to be countercultural. It's not going to look like everybody else. It's not going to make sense like everybody else makes sense. But God's going to be in the middle of this thing and there's going to be people that you're going to gather. And you know what? Man, in my own personal life in church, I've had people grab a knife and not just stab me in the back. I'm talking about that whole Viking stuff where they stab me, push that mug up, down backwards, took it back out through alcohol in the back. You know what I'm saying? Like, but that doesn't change the fact that I love you, that Connie, you, I love you. You're amazing. We're a family. We get to do this thing together. As much as it is me preaching on the microphone, you being here, you're a part of everything that we're doing. That we get to do this thing together. And that God gets right in the middle of it. It's like it feels good. You wake up in the morning. Is it problem-free? No, man. But it feels good when you live a fulfilled life. There's promises attached to the promise of fulfillment. I want to show you something. When you look at the Bible. In John, John chapter something, verse something, I forgot where I put it at. When, my, when I think about this, uh, this, this big fulfilled life, right, I think about, sometimes it's easy for me to look at the big fulfilled life and think, okay, Chino, but that's just another thing for me to do. It's not actually another thing for me to do. It's I'm in my purpose. I'm in my cost. I I crossed over the threshold. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. And now I started to do it. And now it just feels different. I'm in my purpose, whether I'm a social worker, where I'm working as a doctor, a firefighter. You can be working in the medical field. You could be working at Publix or a Walmart, and you can still live a fulfilled life where God can actually start to do things in your life. I used to think that ministry was keeping me, I mean, work was keeping me away from ministry. Little did I know that work was actually helping me to hone my gifts and my talents and to do ministry the correct way because people at my job, they weren't sitting there going to church and worrying about Jesus and the hypostatic union of God, how he's man and God and theological words. No, they were trying to figure out who they were gonna sleep with tomorrow. And God put me right there with them to be able to speak the gospel, but then also to be the gospel. But there's a, there's a gift that's attached to this. Watch this. John chapter 15, verse 8 through 11. It says, bring it up. It says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. When you produce much fruit, you are my true pre- disciples. This brings great glory to my father. You want to please God? Produce fruit. Let people know who he is. Walk in your dreams, walk in your calling. Do the things that God asks you to do. You've been saved. You started to deal with your stuff. You discovered who you are, cross over the threshold and start to produce much fruit and you become God's true disciples. I have told you these things so that you will be, somebody say that with me, filled with my joy. If you produce fruit, it brings you joy. Not only little joy, but you're going to be filled to the joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. There's something about when you give of yourself to other people. There's something about serving people. There's something about loving on people that it fills you up. You wake up in the morning and you're not worried about where you're going to get your next check from. You're worried about the fact that, man, somebody's life is going to be changed. Me and my kids, we drove and Lydia, we got here today. And on the way here, we were laughing because it was super gloomy. Y'all woke up this morning, the sun came out. That's because y'all got out. Y'all came to the 1115. But the 930, they're real Christians. They came when it was dark and rainy. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. They are different type of Christians. But I, I drove with my kids and we were like, man, it's so, like, it's just nasty. I told Liddy, I said, this one of that watch online blanket, under the blanket type Sundays. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I hope our online numbers don't go up too much. <laughs> But then I just started, oh man, I can't wait to, man, somebody gonna find Jesus. I had several conversations with people this week that told me the message from last week affected me and helped me to do this. And man, I started to do this and I took a step and I I started saying to the kids, I was like, yo, people are going to come to church today and they're going to come expecting nothing just to come to church. And they're going to walk out and be like, yo, I'm ready to kill the devil. Like, oh my God, I'm so excited. And I started to make it fun. Even my wife, she made it fun. Waking up teenagers on a Sunday morning. That's the devil, bro. They make you question your salvation and like, like, I mean, borderline, like your freedom. You know what I'm saying? Like you're right there. Like, boy, if you don't get up from this bed right now, especially church kids. My wife got in the bed, she tickling them and make There's so much joy and stuff happening in our house in a gloomy, ugly day. It's a, it's a fulfilled life, man. It's a fun life. You can make that happen. Deal with your junk. God, I don't got it all figured out. I'm a, I'm a mess and I'm broken but I need you to save me and God will save you. But then you get to this space where you're just like, God, I'm, 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 I've gotten saved, but man, I can't stop watching porn. God, I can't stop drinking. God, I feel like I still hate my dad. I can't believe he did that. I can't believe she said that to me. And you got to get to the point where you allow for the Holy Spirit inside of you to start helping you to mind these things out. Be real. These things are real. They're, man, this is, this is hurting me and it's killing me. I, I, I need to be self-aware but then I need to start chipping at these things. And God starts doing those things. And that's what I said. You, you go to, she said something to you, and you almost took your earrings off. You were like, what? And then you just, oh, my God. <laughs> God bless your heart. And you start to watch as, man, that sh- stuff was crazy. And your language starts to change. And God starts to do something inside of you. That Then you start to figure out, you're like, yo, there's something about young people that I love. And I talk to kids all the time and I'm like, and I have such words with them and they listen to me and you start to discover, this is who you always been. But now you start to discover, there's a call on my life. Like, man, do I start a school? Do I work at a school? Do I start a youth ministry? Do I join a youth? Like there's something about young people. I love watching a 16, not me. I love as a girl, I love watching a 16 year old girl who's about to ruin her life. And I can tell her, Hey girl, I ruined my life. I had an abortion. I had this, I had this, but look, this is how God has restored my life. And all of a sudden now, that girl's changing because of your story. You, you know that, that you discovered what your purpose is, but then you jump into it and you start to do it on a daily basis. I watch smiles of people when I walk here, and some people get here way earlier than I get here. And I'm laughing because they're up here. The worship team get here, they the earliest ones that get here, and they up here laughing and joking. I'm like, bro, y'all ain't even had coffee. And they do. They have their coffee in their hand. And they're just laughing and joking and just, we're living a fulfilled life. I drive by sometimes and it be, it's hot. It's hotter than a summer day in hell out here in Georgia sometimes. And I be seeing Joe and Joe be on that lawnmower out here cutting the grass. And I'll beep at him, beep, beep, beep. He got this smile from ear to ear. Ah, sweating. He's white, but he's green because he got all the grass on him. And he's just waving. I mean, he's just just having, because it's just a fulfillment. There's something about the moment that you step into the calling of God and you start to do it. It just changes. You feel it, man. Your joy, it just begins to overflow. Man, I want this so bad for you. I want this so bad for you. We took five weeks to unpack what this looks like because these four promises are available to you. They're real and God wants to give them to you. But you gotta take them and you gotta take the steps to do them. Number one, you, you get saved. You <laughs> You know God. Two the promise of sanctification. You find freedom. Start to deal with your stuff. Number three is the promise of redemption. We call it discover your purpose. That's what we're created for. And then number four is the promise of fulfillment. And that's when you begin to make a difference. When you walk through our church, you'll see know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. We're all about kicking you in your donkey, King James, so that you can walk forward one more step. Walk forward one more step. Because when you get to this pace of fulfillment, your kids will like you more. (laughs) Your wife will love you more. This nation will love you more. Because in a fractured, broken, and divided nation, it's beautiful to watch men and women who, regardless of skin color, religious, or, or I'm sorry, political affiliation, backgrounds, when they watch us link arms, they don't see that on TV. They try to divide that, but the church is undivided. We're unified. We're unified in one mission. One call, we got the gospel. We're trying to make a difference, y'all. We're trying to make a difference, and this is what it looks like when we do this thing together. For some of us, we're on this journey and we're finding ourselves in different spaces, and we don't rush anybody in any of those to any of those spaces. We man just work out your salvation. We're with you. We're on this journey with you. But there's people in this room that when I read Psalms 38, when I read Psalms 38, it kind of felt how your life feels psalms 38 verse 4 and 6 my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear i mean it's not physical weight but man you feel it it's just dang. you know i did it again and i, I screwed man i've made you know i've done some stupid stuff man i and it just feels like it's a weight and it feels like you're bowed down and you're brought very low and it's just like dang it man every time that you try to step up and stand up it just feels like dang like this thing just weighs you because when you wake up in the morning, you might not physically look like that, but your mind is going 50 miles, 150 miles an hour because you're thinking, I can't believe I did that again. I have to tell her eventually. I, I, I know. I, and, and you're just weighed down by this guilt. Today, there is a God that we just read in a few scriptures, Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 and 7, that he wants to grab you and he wants to pick you up. He wants to pull you out of the miry clay. He wants to snatch you out of the muck and mire. He doesn't want to leave you there. He wants to make you great. He stoops down to make you great. He stoops down to pick you up. That is a promise of salvation. And for some of us who are in this room right now, that's where we have to start. Before we ever take any of the other steps, this place right here is where we need to start, where we give God our heart. We give Jesus our life, where we take the promise of salvation. He will save you. How? How much do I got to pay, Chino? What's the installment? Here's the installment plan. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Two payments. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you shall be saved. That doesn't mean church member role. That doesn't mean that you got to come up to a front of an altar. That means that in your own heart, you confess with your mouth and you believe in that mug. And then you shall be saved. Then you start the process. Then it starts to kind of walk out. And then things start to look cool. Things starts to be fun, but it begins with salvation. And today I want to give you an opportunity, if you haven't called on the name of Jesus... It's a promise that's readily, easily. As a matter of fact, this promise got nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with the church. It has everything to do with you and God. So in turn, I would ask you, would you do me a favor? And would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a second? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on.